Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 23, 24 and 25 of Insurgent. So where we left off, Triss and the gang, they eavesdropped on Jack Kang having a meeting with some erudite guy. And then obviously Janine was hanging out around the corner or something. So Triss ran down the street trying to find her, caught a glimpse of her and then was like, Oh no, Peter, you've betrayed us. Like, obviously. And then they went home. Someone got shot. I believe Shauna or Marlene or Lynn or Linda. Who knows? Someone, one of them got shot. And then because they want to kill, what's his face? They, Eric? Yeah, Eric. Because they want to kill, what's his face? Eric, they elect someone to be a leader amongst Dauntless. Anyway, the tattoo artist, she gets elected. Some other random guy called Michael or Hector or Will or some other bastard, he gets elected and Tris doesn't, but Ford does. Even though they could just elect another person and uh, uh, it's beyond me. Anyway, so <laughs> we pick up, I want to say straight away, but she actually specifies that it's 10 seconds later. She says, 10 seconds after we choose our new leaders, something rings. There's this ringing noise and then Jack Kang is making an announcement over some sort of intercom. He says, attention all occupants of Canda headquarters. A few hours ago, I met with a representative of Janine Matthews. He reminded me that we Canda are in a weak position, depending on erudite for our survival. And he told me that if I intend to keep my faction free, I will have to meet a few demands. And they aren't kidding when they say the Canda just spill the beans all the time because he's just like out with it. And Triss even notes, I shouldn't be surprised that the leader of Kanda is this forthright, but I wasn't expecting a public announcement. And so then Jack, he immediately starts selling out the Dauntless and the Divergent. He says, in order to comply with the demands, I ask everyone make their way to the gathering place. The Erudite have ordered that all Divergent be turned over. And Triss narrates that he sounds listless, defeated. And then she thinks, well, he is defeated because he was too weak to fight back. The guy died, right? The erudite representative got shot and killed on that bridge while they were meeting. So I don't know why she thinks like, oh, he was too defenseless to fight back. Dude, the person you were dealing with is dead. You can come up with another plan of attack, Jack Kang. And then she thinks that one thing Dauntless knows that Kanda does not is how to fight even when fighting seems useless. And she's like, huh, sometimes, I sort of feel like I'm collecting the lessons each faction has to teach me. (laughs) Okay, yeah. 
It's almost as if your society shouldn't be segregated, especially into factions based on personality types. It's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, she's divergent. I think that's what we're getting at here. She's divergent and she's picking up on the life lessons from the other factions because she has that ability because she's divergent. No one else can do that, but she can. So after the announcement, the Dauntless just start packing up their shit. They're like, all right, we got to get out of here. Let's go. And so she says it's a bit of pandemonium while everyone's rushing around. And she says, someone's elbow presses me to a wall and I just stand and watch the pandemonium intensify. Someone's pushing her against a wall and she's, and she's just standing there still. I thought you were up against a wall. How are you just standing there? Who's got their elbow up against your back for that long? Aren't they like running around packing as well? What's going on here? So then we are in a semicircle with all the Dauntless surrounding Eric. He's in the interrogation room. Well, he's, he's in the interrogation chair. I think you'll recall there was a chair. There were two chairs, but then she chucked one of the chairs out of the window. So now there's just one chair and Eric's in it. So when they said they were going to execute Eric, I thought that was like, metaphorical or would happen weeks from now, but I think it's happening right now. And Tori, since she's the leader now, she's the big wig. She says, would you like me to tell you your crimes or would you like to list them yourself? And then for some reason, Veronica Roth just thinks, oh, now will be a great time for a few paragraphs of description. And she starts describing the interrogation room as if we haven't spent chapters here by now. She says, oh, we stand in the interrogation room on the top floor of the Merciless Mart. Like, oh, for fuck's sake, we get that. We get it. There's a storm going on. There's these cracks of thunder and flashes of lightning. And then randomly, Trist just says, I like the smell of wet pavement. It is faint here. But once this is all done, all the Dauntless will storm down the stairs and leave the Merciless Mart behind. And wet pavement will be the only thing I smell. Why are you telling me about wet pavement? Why? Also, I doubt that wet pavement will be all that you can smell. I'm sure a lot of those dauntless smell of BO because they've not been showering regularly. Also, what are you talking? What are you talking about with the smell of wet pavement? It, it doesn't smell of wet pavement. She says it smells faint up here because they're so high up in the merciless mart. So why is she talking about the smell down there? Like you've already told me that it's raining. You don't need to go on about wet pavement. Wet pavement of all things. Of all things to appreciate the smell of. Does wet pavement even have a smell? Uh, She could have said she likes the smell of the rain, but no, she likes the smell of wet pavement. What, what's her ish? Oh, and now we're back at the interrogation. We've had our little sidebar about the wet pavement and we're back at the interrogation, which is where we want to be. And so Eric, He settles his eyes on Triss in the crowd and he says, I'd like her to list them, his crimes that is, since she's the one who stabbed me, she's clearly familiar with them. She, yeah, did sort of stab you in self-defense, but yeah, all right, I guess she's as good as anyone to list your crimes for some reason. And Tobias says, leave her out of this. And Eric says, why? Because you're doing her? Doing her. Are we in the 60s? Is this how people talk? I feel like I'm watching an episode of Happy Days. Doing her? Uh, uh, Nah, nah. Eric of all people. Hardened Eric with the piercings and the face tats and the fact that he just shot a kid in the head and he, he can't say the word sex. He can't say the F word. You're doing her? 
Was he raised in abnegation as well? And then he says, oh wait, I forgot. Stiffs don't do that sort of thing. They just tie each other's shoes and cut each other's hair. How, how does he think that the abnegation procreate? Like they do have sex, Eric. There's no stalk dropping off babies to the abnegation compound. And I don't know if you would characterize the abnegation as people that cut each other's hair because they rarely do that. They do that like once every three months. They're not allowed to look in mirrors otherwise. Like I wouldn't say that's one of the trademarks of their faction. And Triss is thinking, oh, he's trying to hit Tobias where it hurts the most through me, blah, blah. But Triss isn't going to play that game. So she's like, you want to know your crimes? These are your crimes. You conspired with the erudite. You are responsible for the deaths of hundreds of abnegation. You betrayed Dauntless. You shot a kid in the head. And, and worst of all, you are a ridiculous plaything of Janine Matthews. She saves that one for like the trump card. But I'm like, you know what? The shooting the kid in the head was a big deal. As was the massacre of hundreds of abnegation. You could kind of leave Janine out of it, I guess, but nah. And so then Eric says, do I deserve to die? And she's like, yes. Like, oh, yes, that's what we're doing here. I just listed your crimes. You hung out with Janine. And so she says, yes. And he says, oh, fair enough. He's really not putting up much of a fight. Fair enough. And then he says, but do you have the right to decide that, Beatrice Pryor? And like, well, no, you've had a trial, right? Like you, you, you were interrogated. There's a whole bunch of Dauntless around. It's not like she's just trying to pop you off one-on-one. You've got leaders here to execute you. Why, why are you pinning this on Triss? But he says, do you have the right to decide that? Like you decided the fate of that other boy. What was his name? Will. So Eric's really going for the gut punch, isn't he? Got to bring Will into this. And she's like, ah, oh, geez. People were just forgetting about Will. Now, now, now everyone's remembering that I killed Will. So Tobias steps in and he says, you have committed every crime that warrants execution among the Dauntless. We have the right to execute you under the laws of Dauntless. Yeah, I'm against capital punishment as a rule, but in fiction with this dickhead of a character, shoot him already. What are you waiting for? So then Tobias He lays three guns on the floor by Eric's feet. (laughs) This is silly. And one by one, he empties the chamber of the bullets. And then he picks up one of the guns and puts one bullet into the first slot. And then he moves the three guns around on the floor like a little carnival game. You know, when you put the ball under the three cups and then they move the cups around and you say, guess which one has the ball in it? He's doing that thing just shuffling them around on the floor so you don't know which one has the bullet in it. And I'm like, what the, why are we performing this action? And then he picks up the guns and he gives one to Tori, one to Harrison, and then one to him. And I don't know if that's like the kind of thing where they all shoot at the same time. And so then they won't know which one of them actually killed him. And it's like, well, obviously you'll know because there'll be recoil and like smoke coming out of the barrel and shit. So it can't be for that reason. It seems like they're holding on to some ceremony here, which could just be skipped over. Like just shoot the fucker. So then they're just staring at Eric, waiting for one of them to shoot him in the head, I guess. And then he says, wait, I have a request. And Tori says, we don't take requests from criminals. And Tris says, she sounds tired. She probably wants to get this over with. To her, this execution is just an inconvenience. What, what, did she ever say that? Did she ever say that or are you just assuming that? 
Tori, by the way, she's been leader for not very long and she's adapted quite well. She really went from tattoo artist, part-time aptitude test instructor, and now she's a full-on leader and she's taken to it like a fish to water. She's thriving. She can't wait for the execution, apparently. And Eric says, I want four to be the one who fires the bullet so you can live with the guilt of knowing that you usurped me and then shot me in the head. And Tobias is like, mm, okay. <laughs> he says, there won't be any guilt. And so then he picks up the gun and I guess starts loading more bullets into it. What? Why didn't you just pick? Oh, because he, oh, he didn't know if he had bullets in his gun. Okay, so he's loading bullets into the gun that he picked up or whatever. And so then Eric says, tell me, because I've always wondered, is it your daddy who shows up in every fear landscape that you've ever gone through? Yes. Yes. Don't we all know that? Like when they do the final fear simulation for graduation, everybody watches those simulations and everybody knew who Four's dad was because he was like a minor celebrity because he's like the leader of the fucking country. So Eric, I'm pretty sure you could have figured that one out. I don't know why you're using your last breaths to make this like a little gotcha moment. And Eric doesn't know that Four downstairs punched his dad in the face earlier. Full on beat him up in the cafeteria. So all the other Dauntless are like, uh, yeah, Eric, we know. And we've seen him beat up his dad like yesterday. We good. But Eric, he's doubling down and he's like, what are you afraid? Are you afraid that everyone in the Dauntless will realize that even though you've only got four fears, you're still a coward? And Tobias, he just pops the gun out and he says, hey, Eric, you be brave. And then he shoots him. <laughs> so yeah. Be brave with that, Eric. He, he told you, didn't he? Really put a full stop on that conversation. And that's the end of the chapter. And we pick up again, very quickly afterwards. She says, blood is a strange color. And well, no, it's, it's not a color. I don't know if we would call blood a color. It's, it's blood red, perhaps. So blood is a strange color. It's darker than you expect it to be. <laughs> Are we really expecting much of blood? I never like cut my finger while chopping vegetables and be like, oh, that's darker than I expected it to be. Cause I've never had an expectation of blood. Anyway, so she's, oh, she's, she's going through it with the blood talk. She's staring down at Marlene's hand. She's looking at Marlene's fingers, which is short. And she's like, oh, she bites her fingers. What, what are we doing here? Someone just got shot and we're looking at Marlene's fingers. So she realizes she must be walking away, but in her head, she's still staring at Eric. She says, he died just like Will did. Well, no, no, he was executed. You shot Will in the head on purpose, by choice, on the streets, in the middle of a confrontation. Like this is very different. So she's having a little moment, just like another flashback to Will. Will she ever get over this guilt about Will? Not too sure. And so then she's saying that they're marching towards the doors. They're leaving Kanda. They've killed their political prisoner and now they're out of there. She says, Tobias sets his hand on my back. I know because I see him come up behind me and do it. Not because I feel it. I don't feel anything at all. I see him come up behind me. Has she got eyes in the back of her head? Maybe she does. So I guess they're going outside. And then Jack Kang, he's like, hold up a minute. What's going on? What have you done? Apparently Eric's missing from his holding cell. What's going on? And Tori says, 
We killed him. <laughs> she says, we gave him a trial and executed him. You should be thanking us. Okay, well, I wouldn't call it a trial. For a while back there, I was assuming that they'd already done the trial before we read about it. But no, I, I, just Tris listing off four incidents does not a trial make. I don't think you had a full on trial. Did he have representation? I don't think he did. But Tori's like, yeah, we executed him. You should be thanking us. And Jack, he's like, why? Why should I be thanking you? And his face turns red. And then she says, blood is darker than blush, even though one consists of the other. Okay, babe, you gotta get over the blood talk. And like, of of course the blood that's outside of a human body is darker than the blood that's inside of the human body being seen through skin. She's like, oh wow, blushing is a different paler color than blood. Like what? Yeah, what? Even though one consists of the, why is she talking like this? I can't, I can't unpack it any further. And Tori clarifies and she's like, oh, you should be thanking us because he murdered one of your children. Remember that? And so we took care of the execution for you. And she says, and now if you'll excuse us, we're leaving. And Jack, he says, what? Like she, she types out W-H-A, no T, just what? He says, what? Leaving? And Tris fills us in on why he would care. She says, if we leave, he will be incapable of fulfilling two of the three demands Max had of him. The thought terrifies him and it's all over his face. Yeah, you know what? Max is dead. Shauna shot him. So I think Jack can maybe take a chill pill for a second. And Jack, he gets on his high horse and he says, didn't you guys come here to find allies? If you do this, we will side with the erudite. And mate, you kind of already have. You made a whole big announcement that you were gonna get the Divergent to meet in this place and the Dauntless to show up and get uh, injected with the simulation serum, the long range simulation serum. Like you kind of blew your wad, dude. Maybe if you weren't so forthright and honest, you could have played this a little bit strategically, but you screwed up. He says, I promise you, you will never find an ally in us again. And Tori, she says, we don't need you as an ally. We're Dauntless. And everyone's like, yeah, we're dauntless, woohoo. And then they all just start walking down the stairs. She says they spill into the hallway like a burst pipe, dauntless water spreading to fill the empty space. Again, Tori, you were doing tattoos yesterday. I don't know why we've elevated you to this position to be doing strategy and making alliances or rejecting alliances. I don't know if we should be elevating you to the level of dauntless ambassador. Cause you're burning your bridges all over the place. So the Dauntless just leave hooting and hollering the whole way. And she's like, oh, this is fun. Reminds me of after the choosing ceremony. What a hoot. Oh God, they're still not out of the building. I keep thinking they're leaving the building, but now they're in the lobby. Oh, the infamous lobby. She says a group of candor and erudite are waiting there, including the blonde divergent woman who got dragged to the elevators by her hair. The girl I helped escape. Okay. She loves to fill us in on who people are. And I still can't remember them. But yeah, the blonde divergent chick, she's there, great. Oh, and Kara. Kara is, um, what, Will's sister? Will's sister. Yep, so she's there. And she says to Tris, where are you guys going? And she says, Dauntless headquarters. No invitation given. Instead of inviting her to come along to Dauntless headquarters and be safe there and maybe join Dauntless, she says, go to Amity. They promise safety to anyone who wants it. You won't be safe here, but wherever you go, don't come with me. 
Go to Amity. Plant some trees. You'll love the trees. I love trees. Sakara's like, well, thanks for fucking nothing. <laughs> and just like turns away. So then she finally gets outside. Her feet are splashing in the puddles. And she's, uh, she says, oh, I smell wet pavement and pretend that this is all there is. What the fuck does that mean? So she can only smell wet pavement or she's smelling wet pavement and she wants to only smell wet pavement. So she's blocking out the other smells that she may smell. Or she's like mentally blocking out other stuff, just focusing on the wet pavement. Why wet pavement of all things? I don't think it smells. I'm telling you, next time you go to a candle shop, have a sniff around, you will not find a wet pavement scented candle. You won't find it. And I was in TK Maxx the other day. And let me tell you the amount of ridiculous flavors and scents that they had. You had your traditional ones, like your fresh linen, your berry bursts, bergamot and all of that crap. But then you had like tobacco. Seriously, TK Maxx was selling a tobacco and leather candle. And I was like, tobacco, no one wants to smell tobacco. You light a candle to get rid of the tobacco smell. And then they had these horrible, horrible, like coffee scented ones, which did not smell like coffee. You had fresh cut lawn. It was like a Birdie Bot's every flavored bean, every single scent you'd ever think of. But you know what I didn't find? I didn't find wet pavement. So then we jump to, we're back at Dauntless HQ. She's looking at the chasm. Oh, I miss that chasm. It's good to be back home, isn't it? And so Bud, he, who's Bud? He's passing out paintball guns. And so their, their plan is for everyone to shoot paintballs at the cameras to block the lens with paint. I don't know why you couldn't just carry around a stepladder and just go up there and unplug it, but this seems great too. They've got all that paintball just sitting there. You may as well use it. So then she runs into Zeke who gives her the lowdown on Shauna. Shauna is apparently fine-ish. She's stable, she's gonna survive, but she might be paralyzed from the waist down. And Zeke, he's like, "Mm, well, That's her done. How can she be a dauntless if she can't walk? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And Tris remembers what Tobias said about older dauntless people, I think killing themselves or like exiling themselves to factionless. And she's like, that's wrong. So she says, she can still be a dauntless. And Zeke's like, no, actually she won't. If she can't move around, she can't be dauntless. And she says, sure she can, she can move around. And Zeke's not picking it up. Zeke is like, what? No, she can't, she can't. She'll be in a wheelchair. And Tris says, not the case. There's an elevator up to that pit and she can have someone push her around in the pit. She doesn't need to be able to walk to fire a gun or slide down the zip line. That's right, because they do have working elevators to the top of the Hancock Tower where you would zip line from. So she is covered. And Zeke, he's still like not getting it. He's like, I love your optimism, hun, but no, nah, it's not happening. And he says, well, actually, no, no one's going to push her. She doesn't want anyone to push her. She can't be dauntless in a wheelchair. She's not going to let people carry her. And Tris is like, actually, she can. She'll have to get over it and let people push her. And Zeke's like, oh, fine, whatever, bitch. Like, we'll have this story later when she's not on life support. And then he hugs her and she stiffens and then eventually relaxes into the hug once she gets used to being hugged again. And I think Zeke's either being nice or he just wanted to shut her up about the wheelchair. So we just thought, I'll just hug the stiff and she'll go stiff and she'll shut up. So then they decide to go paintballing and shooting some cameras. And so she's given a paintball gun And I'm thinking, okay, cue the PTSD attack, but no. She says its weight, shape, and material are so different from a revolver that I have no trouble holding it. So it's just revolvers that are the problem. Get a shotgun then, Tris. Get a bazooka. I don't know guns. I don't even think a bazooka's a gun, but get that. Get that and start shooting with other things that aren't revolvers, if revolvers are the problem. So Bud, who's Bud? He says... We've got the pit and the underground covered, but you guys should go and tackle the pyre. And she's like, the pyre? What's the pyre? And Bud points up at the glass building above them. And so he says, that's the pyre. We've been up to that glass building before and we've never heard it described as the pyre. I think Bud's just decided to name it the pyre and we're all meant to run with it. So, all right, they're gonna go up to the pyre. Also, I thought the problem of not coming back to Dauntless HQ was because how could they possibly know where all the cameras are? But they're like, yeah, we've got the underground covered. Yeah, we've pretty much covered all of the pit. Not a care in the world. Meanwhile, Erudite are probably watching them as they speak. So Erudite knows where they are. If they want to ambush them, just, oh God, oh, and never mind. And so Tris now, she's calling it the pyre. She's never called it the pyre before, but now that she's like, oh, Bud named it the pyre. So she says, once we're in the pyre, Zeke lifts up his gun and aims at one of the cameras, blah, blah, blah. He fires. And then they have a little competition shooting pain at the cameras. She says, I squeeze the trigger and the paintball hits the camera, spraying blue paint across the lens. No problem. No problem. She's firing a gun. It's easy. 
And then Marlene, she's like, hey guys. And she's got paint all over her face. And then she points her gun at Zeke and pops a paintball into his leg. And then she shoots Triss in the arm where I do think she is injured. And Marlene laughs and ducks. And she says, the paintball hits my arm stinging. And Marlene's laughing about it. Marlene's a bit of a bitch, isn't she? Bit of an asshole move, Marlene. You're just shooting at someone who's been shot in the shoulder and you're aiming for her arm. Pretty tough, Marlene. So then they start chasing after Marlene and it's all fun and games. And everyone just does a big paintball fight. She says, popping sounds fill the air as everyone in the pit starts to fire at one another. Young and old. I thought there were no old Dauntless, but carry on. The camera's momentarily forgotten. Why? That's your primary purpose at this point in time to be getting rid of the cameras because the erudite are currently watching you. I charge down the path surrounded by laughter and shouting. There's a war going on, guys. We cluster together to form teams and then turn against one another. Is that a metaphor? Oh, I don't know, but they're having so much frivolous fun, so much frivolity. Meanwhile, Janine's developing a new sort of serum, but whatever. Carry on with your paintball game. And then she says, oh, this reminds me of why I chose Dauntless in the first place. Not because they are perfect, but because they are alive, because they are free. And that's the end of that chapter. And then we start chapter five. And there has actually been a passage of time between chapters, which is wild. That never happens. It's not been long. It's been like a couple of hours, but still. She's telling us that someone raided the Dauntless kitchens and we're heating up some of the imperishable food down there. And so they're having dinner. And she's sitting at the table that she used to sit at with Christina, Al and Will. And it's pretty freaking awkward because Al's dead, Will's dead, Christina hates her. And she feels responsible for the fact that half of them are dead. And she says, I feel responsible for that. My forgiveness could have saved Al, but I withheld it. My clear headedness could have spared Will, but I could not summon it. Yeah, you did kill Will. She's like, oh, I, I feel partly responsible. It's like, you shot him. But before she can think about it too much, Uriah sits down and she says his tray is loaded with beef stew and chocolate cake. She says, I stare at the cake pile and I'm like, okay, cool. He's eaten stew and some cake. Good for Uriah. But apparently this is a huge fucking deal. And she's like, there was cake? And he says, yeah, someone just brought it out. I guess they found a couple of boxes of the cake mix in the back. So they, they baked it. You can have a few bites of mine if you want. And she goes, a few bites. So you're planning on eating that mountain of cake by yourself? And he says, yes, why? And she goes, ugh, never mind." And she said, he looked confused. What? Let the guy eat some cake. Why are you being such a bitch about the cake? If you want cake, just get up and go and get seconds and, and walk up there with your tray and load up your tray with cake. Why are you judging Uriah for eating cake? He's worn out. He just played a big paintball match. Let them eat cake, Triss. And so then Christina sits down, but on the far end of the table. Okay. And then Zeke puts his tray down and sits next to Christina. And then they're joined by Lynn, Hector and Marlene, just all our favorite characters. And she says, I see a flash of movement under the table and see Marlene's hand meet Uriah's over his knee. Is it a glass table? She had eyes in the back of her head before and now she can see through tables because she's, she's seeing a flash of movement under the table somehow. And she says their fingers twist together. 
You've got a good visual on them, don't you, Tris? And Lynn must be able to see it too. Lynn, who's Lynn? And so then she's like, ugh, I'm going to hurl. You two making eyes at each other all the time. And Uriah's like, what are you talking about? And Lynn, I guess there's tension between Lynn and Uriah. Lynn might like Uriah. Uriah must like Marlene. Like, what? It's like Riverdale all of a sudden. And so Uriah, he's like, what are you talking about? And she says, I'm not an idiot and neither is anyone else. So why don't you just make out with her and get it over with? And Uriah's like, what? He looks stunned, even though he's holding her hand under the table. So I don't know why he's so stunned. So then Marlene's like, well, fuck you, Lynn. And so then she leans over and kisses Uriah on the mouth. And then Lynn grabs her tray and storms away from the table. What the hell is, what the hell is going on? Like, what the hell is going on? It's Dawson's Creek down in Dauntless. And Zeke says, what the hell was that all about? And Hector, who who the hell's Hector? Hector says, don't ask me. She's always angry about something. What? Meanwhile, Christina's just on the other end, just quietly eating her stew and her cake. So then Tobias comes up and he says to Tris, can I borrow you for a minute? And she's like, yeah, great, let's go. And so she says, where are we going? And he says, the train. I have a meeting and I want you there to help me read the situation. And she's like, okay, that sounds great. Let's go. So she says, we ascend the stairs and cross the glass floor. On our way out, we walk through the dank room in which I faced my fear landscape. Judging by the syringe on the floor, someone has been there recently. What, why is, why is this person who's going through to the fear landscape not picking up their used syringes? You can't just leave a syringe lying on the floor. That's syringe maintenance 101. What a danger. And if there's a medical emergency, it's not like anyone can help you because there's no security cameras to monitor situations like this. You can't be leaving syringes on the floor. Put them in the bin. Put them in the bin. And she thinks it's four. So she says, did you go through your fear landscape today? She's just really on the attack today, isn't she? Why are you eating that much cake, Uriah? Why'd you go through your fear landscape for? Let people live, Tris. Let them live. And he's like, uh, what makes you say that? And she says, well, your knuckles are cut up. I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Oh, because he punches his way out of something and he's feeling, oh, who cares? And someone's been using that room because there's a syringe on the floor. And he's like, okay, yep, you got me. Love to stay and chat, but we really need to get onto this train. They told me to catch the one leaving at 8.05. I didn't realize the trains were attached to an actual timetable because they just run nonstop, but apparently they're attached to a, they're attached to a timetable. Okay. The trains again. Just when I think I'm starting to like this book, the trains come back into it. So they walk to the tracks and she's like, uh, so about that fear landscape. And he's like, okay, I went through my fear landscape. I wanted to see if it has changed. And she says, well, has it? And then he brushes a hair away from his face and she starts talking again about how he's got abnegation hair now, not dauntless hair. She says, now that he's got abnegation hair, it's two inches longer than it normally would be and hangs over his forehead. I think he just is overdue for a haircut. I don't think there's some big meaning behind his hair. It's just grown out a bit because there's been a lot of commotion. He wasn't in a position to get a haircut while he was seeking refuge in Amity and then in the slums of Factionless and then in battle in Candor. He just didn't have time for a haircut. And she's like, oh, he's got abnegation hair. What's going on inside his head? Anyway, he says, yeah, I went through the fear landscape. 
but my fear number is still the same. But yeah, things have changed up a bit. And so then the train comes and he's like, we've got to get into the fifth car back. I don't know. Well, why does it matter? And so then they've got to sprint for the train. Weren't they just waiting for the train? But now they're sprinting for the train. And then they got to swing themselves onto the train because, because the train doesn't stop. Notoriously, the train doesn't stop. So they throw themselves onto the train. See, that's the thing. If the trains don't stop, why are the doors always shut? They've always got to like haul the doors open and then throw themselves in. Can we not just take the doors off the train? A user-friendly public transport system. That's all I'm asking for. So now they're on the train, but because she's thrown herself onto the train, she's like banged up her knee and she's bleeding a little bit. She says, my knee is red with blood. And she doesn't get all philosophical about the color of blood, which I appreciate. And so Tris says, is he still in your fear landscape? Meaning his dad, who he just beat up. And he says, yep, but not in the same way. And he says, you're in it though. Instead of having to shoot that woman like I used to, I have to watch you die and there's nothing I can do to stop it. I would be so flattered if someone said that to me. If someone said, I only have four fears and one of them is watching you die, I would be so chuffed. Like that's a sign of intimacy. That's when you know your boyfriend loves you. That's great. Oh, Tris, you're a lucky gal. You are a lucky gal. So then he's like, oh, they'll be here in a minute. He's checking his watch. And so then she looks out the window and there's Evelyn and Edward. Evelyn's his mum. Edward's that guy that got stabbed in the eye. They're the two characters I do remember. So then they're standing on the tracks and then when the train, when the train passes them, they then have to jump on. You know what really bothers me? The factionless drive the trains. She told us once in an offhand comment that the factionless are the train drivers. And so now two factionless people who presumably can communicate with the train drivers, they're also being left to jump on. They couldn't have just said, hey, bud, you're our mate. You're our little factionless dude. Can you just maybe, maybe stop? Can you just pump the brakes a little bit and let us get on in an orderly fashion? But no, even the factionless don't have an in with the train conductor. And how the train conductors ever swap shifts, uh, uh, I don't know. They must eat and sleep inside the train carriage. I, I, I really don't know. But we've seen trains stop before. Oh, it's best not to get too into the weeds with it. So um, they jump on the train and Tobias says, nice meeting location. And then she says, the train takes a turn it doesn't usually take. Oh boy, left away from the glow of the erudite building and into the abandoned part of the city. I can tell by the growing quiet in the car that it is slowing down. So so maybe they did talk to their little factionless friend and say, hey mate, can you change the direction of the train and also stop the train, but don't do it to allow us to get on the train. Do it after we've risked our lives jumping onto a moving train. Yeah, I imagine that's how the conversation went. And so four says, well, let's discuss an alliance. And Edward, he says, an alliance? Who gave you authority to do that? And Tris says, he's a dauntless leader. He has the authority. Yeah, as of today, he's been a dauntless leader for like two hours, but yep, he's got the authority. How do you not know that? And Evelyn, she's like, oh, that's interesting. And is this bitch? Well, she says, and is she in italics, which translates to this bitch. And is this bitch also a dauntless leader? And Four's like, nah, we we needed odd numbers. 
and only an even number of people were nominated up to a point. She's here to help me decide whether or not to trust you. And so then Evelyn says, yeah, sure. I'm keen for an alliance under some certain conditions. A guaranteed an equal place in whatever government forms after Erudite is destroyed and full control over Erudite data after the attack. And Triss is like, oh, what are you going to do with that data then, Missy? And she says, well, obviously destroy it. The only way to deprive the Erudite of power is to deprive them of knowledge. Well, no, that's a fancy flowery way to put it, but you can also just kick them out of the government. And Four says, well, all right, what are we going to get in return? And she says, our much needed manpower and an equal place in government with us. And Four says, well, Tori, she's probably also going to want the right to rid the world of Janine Matthews. And Tris, she raises her eyebrows and she says, oh, I didn't know that Tori's hatred of Janine was common knowledge. And she says, oh, maybe it isn't. He must know things about her that the others don't, now that he and Tori are leaders together. It's been two to three hours. Like, now that they're leaders together, they must know everything about each other. When would they have had the conversation? They shot Eric. They obviously caught the train to Dauntless, and then they played a game of paintball and then ate some cake and some beef stew. When would they have had a time to do a powwow about how much they hate Janine? And Evelyn's like, yeah, great. I don't care who kills her. I just want her dead. And Tobias is like, okay, great. Sounds good. And then they shake hands. So I guess there's the alliance. And Evelyn says, we should convene in a week's time in a neutral territory. I don't know why they can't just do it now. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's go, people. Momentum. And she says, most of the abnegation have graciously agreed to let us stay in their sector of the city to plan as they clean up after the attack. And Four's like, what do you mean most of them? And she's like, well, I'm afraid your father still commands the loyalty of many of them. And he advised them to avoid us when he came to visit a few days ago. And they agreed just as they did when he persuaded them to exile me. And Tobias, he says, they exiled you? I thought you left. And I was like, I thought she faked her death. I thought you thought she was dead. I thought... I thought everyone thought she was dead. Now there's this exile storyline. Well, why would you exile someone and, and then stage a fake funeral for them? That doesn't make any sense. And she says, no, the abnegation were inclined towards forgiveness and reconciliation, but your father has a lot of influence over them. And so I decided to leave rather than face the indignity of public exile. And yet somewhere along the lines, someone held a funeral for you. So I don't know what the truth is. And Tobias looks stunned, but then she's like, "Mm, gotta go because the train's pulling up to their station or whatever. So then they just like jump off the train. So what a great way to end that conversation. So then Triss is like, what? You just made an alliance. Why'd you bring me along if you were just going to do that anyway? And he's like, well, you could have stopped me. And she's like, what? I didn't know I could stop you. And she says, I don't like it. There's got to be another way. And he says, you just don't like her. You haven't liked her since you first met her. And she says, obviously I don't like her. She abandoned you. And he says, actually they exiled her. What? They exiled, she did, she, she faked a death. There was a funeral. And Teresa's like, well, why'd you bring me if you weren't gonna listen to me, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have brought you along. I forget how biased you can be. And she's like, biased? What about your biases? 
you're always talking about your dad who you hate, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's just going around in circles. And she's like, your dad knows something. I know it. And he's like, he's a liatress. Well, yeah, he lied about a funeral. And she's like, well, so's your mother, which isn't a great argument. Because <laughs> then four, he's like, don't talk about my mother that way. And she says, fine, I won't. And then she jumps off of the train. There really is no better way to end a conversation than jumping off of a train. It's very dramatic and to the point, And I'm kind of obsessed with it. I hate the trains. I hate the trains so much. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to end a little tiff, jumping off a train certainly punctuates it. So then Tobias, he jumps off the train, tries to chase Triss, but she doesn't let him catch up with her. And then she goes to the pit and she finds a place to sleep. And that's the end of the chapter. So that's that. I will see you guys next week for the next few chapters. Hopefully there are no more trains. Any thoughts or theories about what's to come, please let me know. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.